some crusher, a little crusher. Milk keeps me fit and tastes so great. I want some crusher, a glass of crusher. It's tough enough to make milk shake. Add milk. Hello there, and welcome to a new episode of the Hyperbarrett Reviews with two guys whose milkshake never brings anyone to the yard. It's Bread Roll and JT. Oh, I like that one, Bread Roll. You did tell me, you warned me you're going to have a good one for this week's one, and yeah, that's a, that's a good one, Bread Roll. Um, and uh, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly there. Um, hello, everyone. So what are we looking at this week then, uh, Bread Roll? So we are looking at uh, Gunpowder Milkshake, which I believe is a movie that you put forward for us to have a look at um, a little while ago. And we finally found it on our list uh, to do so. Although its distribution is a bit weird because it's technically a Netflix movie, but I think it's only available on Netflix in the States because I watched it on Now TV, which is essentially Sky Movies over here in the UK. Um, So, yeah, it's not an easy one to sort of get hold of. It was released on July the 14th, 2021. And it had a budget of thirty million, and it came out of a box office of one million, apparently. But again, it is is one of those weird movies. Like I say, it's a Netflix movie, but it had a very limited cinema release in North America, by the looks of it, and possibly in France, in wikis to be believed. But um, yeah, it didn't really do a lot in the box office. But there we go. It's uh, it is what it is. No, it really didn't, did it? One million from a thirty million budget is poor. Um, yeah, I mean. I'm not going to lie, it was Karen Gillan who first drew me to this. She was posting all over her Instagram and everything. And I do like this sort of movie. We, we looked at Nobody last week, which is sort of a similar kind of thing, um, sort of loose action sort of thing. Um, yeah, one million from a 30 million budget is bloody awful. Although apparently there is a sequel being confirmed. So it must be doing something somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, some of these actors, I mean, Karen Gillan, um, she's doing all right for herself these days. The first I ever saw her or heard of her on the um, the scene, as it were, is when she first appeared in Doctor Who. And I'm not a Doctor Who fan. I fucking hate it. Um, but I think that's the first time I ever heard of her as an actress. She was the assistant in one of them. Um, and she's obviously gone on to do a fair few movies and clearly doing all right for herself. And as we know, Netflix aren't shy when obviously flashing the cash to get some uh, good actors or popular actors onto their uh, shows. Speaking of actors, I was actually surprised because I didn't know much about this movie. Um, looking at it, it had Lena Headey in it, who I fucking love. I love Lena Headey. She's a great actress. She played Mama in Dread and probably most popular for being uh, either Sarah Connor in the Sarah Connor Chronicles or Cersei Lannister in Game of Thrones. But we've also got Paul Giamatti and Ralph Einstein, I think um, is how you pronounce it. Uh, he's a really good British actor. He's been in loads of stuff. So it's not a bad cast all in all. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I haven't watched Game of Thrones, as we've talked about before, but I kind of recognise the name. Um, yeah, I love Ralph Ineson, if it is Ineson, Innocent. I think he's great, and he pops up in quite a few things, doesn't he? And doesn't he have, like, the deepest voice known to man? He's just, like, crazy as how deep his voice is. It is, because in this movie, um, obviously, we'd go for the synopsis like usual, but um, as soon as he started talking, I was like, oh, fucking, I recognise that voice straight away. And then, obviously, he's got quite a distinct-looking face as well. Um but yeah, he, he has been in fucking all kinds of things. He was in a movie I watched recently called The Witch, which is um pretty good. It's a Robert Eggers movie. Um, but yeah, he just turns up in absolutely everything. And another person who was in this, and it took me a minute to clock it. Um, when we do the synopsis, um, there's a person, there's a flashback, and you see a younger version of Karen Gillan's um, character. And I was like, I fucking know that um, girl who's playing her. And it's Freya Allen, who now plays Cirilla in the Witcher series. So anyone watches The Witcher, she's in this. But I was looking at her thinking, oh, Fucking, where do I know you from? And obviously, you're going from ginger hair to ashen hair. That's obviously what threw me off. <laughs> 
Yeah, um, again, not a program I watch, but yeah, I, I did obviously look at the uh, IMDb cast list and, and picked out a few people, and I did spot her as well. Um, yeah, so there are a few sort of, I wouldn't say bit part appearances, but there's a few cameos almost by a few people. I'm, I'm a bit annoyed that old Ralph wasn't used a bit more. I mean, he's sort of the main bad guy in a way, but he's pretty much behind the scenes in a lot of it, isn't he? He is, yeah, and I thought that about old Paul Giamatti as well, because he's another great actor, um, and he's kind of like... Again, like he doesn't really do a lot. He kind of turns up at the start, and then he's he is kind of like a centerpiece to the actual um, the whole plot. But neither of them really get a lot of uh, screen time as such. But maybe they're just there to be like that kind of decent support cast because they're such good actors. And like we say, they've been in just about everything you can think of. I think you know they're the sort of actors. That I think if you're a director or you're doing a show, it's like I need some good, reliable support actors. These are the people you come to. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I've never seen Ralph play a bad role, really. I mean, he, he's done everything from, like, low-key TV series over here to obviously the big-budget stuff. He's done voiceovers for, like, docu-soaps and, like, reality programmes. He gets around. But, yeah, fair play to him. Yeah, he was in uh, Assassin's Creed as well, for anyone who's a fan of that series. He was uh, he played Charles Vane in Assassin's Creed Black Flag. But for any gamers out there, he's everywhere. <laughs> he certainly is. Right, so let's have a look at the old uh, synopsis then and see what we've got going on with this one. Now, as always, I have pulled this from Wiki. I haven't proofread it because I just don't do that sort of thing, but let's see what we can do. So, in a flashback at a diner, 12-year-old Sam learns that her assassin mother, Scarlet, is skipping town after a job gone wrong. Armed men arrive to kill Scarlet, but she kills them and escapes, leaving an upset Sam behind to be uh, cared for by Nathan. Fifteen years later... Sam works as an assassin for Nathan, the human resource head for the same firm Scarlett worked for. Nathan gives Sam a new job, killing a man who stole money from the firm and returning the money. Sam goes to the weapons armory, disguises a a library to exchange her weapons for new ones. There, she meets Anna May, Madeline and Florence, three former accomplices of Scarlett. They consider killing her for showing up unannounced, but change their minds when they learn her identity. They provide her with a clean weapon for the job. That's kind of how it comes across on Wiki. You kind of see the modern day and then it does the flashback and then it cuts back. It's one of those weird ones, but Wiki have obviously just done the flashback first. But that's the kind of intro in a nutshell. What's your thoughts on this one, JT? Um, I kind of like the way it starts. The first thing you see is, is a headshot, isn't it? This guy just gets taken out. His, his head blows up against the wall and it sets the tone for the rest of the film, really. Um, then you get that sort of annoying music that runs all the way through the film. Down, 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 Just plays all the way through the film, doesn't it, at various points. And it does start to really grate a bit after a while. I don't know if you found that. Yeah, the actual the score as such, I wasn't a fan of for this. And there's some fight scenes that are kind of not long-winded, but they they kind of like got more slow-mo than the Snyder movie. And the music that plays for it is really annoying. But there is actually some licensed music, some classic tunes that do play in the movie that kind of break it up, which is nice. But yeah, that music is a bit wank. But yeah, the intro is good. You've got a guy like dying on the sofa and she just walks up and fucking headshots him. Then she just goes to the fridge and pulls out like some Ben and Jerry's and makes a milkshake. Obviously, milkshake's in the title and plays a big thing throughout this whole movie, really. Yeah, it does. I mean, the title is pretty random. And obviously, then we see, um, if you haven't seen this film, I'll say, obviously, it's not that obvious. Um, when Scarlet does turn up to the diner, um, and I will say, Freya Allen, who plays the young Sam, they've done a really good job. She bloody looks like a young Karen Gillan, doesn't she? Um, but you see um, you see them sort of sharing the milkshake together, and that obviously ties in with the title, because it is pretty random if you don't know what's going on. 
Yeah, and that kind of diner and the milkshakes in general, they kind of keep cropping up throughout the whole kind of movie. There's a bit here, and it's obviously supposed to be creepy because obviously these are sinister, like, villains and stuff. But, like, Scarlet says, oh, I got skipped town, and she sort of heads out the back door. Then you sort of, like, really sketchy-looking dudes come in. One of them sits down across from um, uh, Sam, back obviously when she's, like, a young girl, and he's like, hey, little girl, and stuff. I was like, oh, you creepy bastard. This kind of fucking gave me the heebie-jeebies here and that. Yeah, it does a bit, doesn't it? She, she's clutching a teddy bear as well. And she's like, Mummy says, uh, doesn't let me to talk, uh, talk to strangers. I'll get my words out in a minute. And obviously, I mean, I don't know how old she's supposed to be, but certainly a teenager. I thought that is a bit weird, her comeback as well, playing the real little girl. I guess that's just her trying to be innocent and deflecting this guy who's definitely a bit of a perv. Yeah, because I don't know, he's 2001, I assume Freya Allen, yeah, she would have done at least one series of The Witcher by now, but I don't know how old she was. She thinks she's like 17 when she was doing that. So obviously she's a teenager in real life. She doesn't just look young, as obviously they cast some people. But yeah, it is really just kind of creepy, really. I'm not a fan of that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, and then when Scarlett does take the guys out before she does the runner, you don't actually see anything. You just hear the, the silence gun going off and you see sort of Sam's face in shock. And I, I was thinking, you know, maybe this film, when I first saw it, it's going to be a bit toned down. You don't really get the violence, but that's kind of a bit of a false dawn. So it doesn't really let up a lot from, from there on in with the violence, does it? No, the violence is pretty full on. Um, it's a bit of a strange film, really, because it's shot very stylishly. But it, the, I don't know about you. I'm obviously, we'll talk about the rest of the synopsis now. But I feel like some of the scenes don't quite join together very well. It feels like, right, here's a scene, then copy and paste. Now we're going to another scene. And although they follow in terms of the plot, they just feel a bit kind of awkwardly kind of edited together. I don't know if you know, you know what I mean or anything. Yeah, I kind of got that watching it again earlier. The first time I watched this, I really, really enjoyed it. I wasn't really thinking too much about it. Then watching it a bit more analytically earlier. Yeah, I got that. Um, it's almost like a video game, isn't it? Just going from sort of level to level almost with just more and more bad guys as you go on. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of describing it. I did like the design of the library they go to, though. And once she walks mm. in with like this big, bright bag that says, I heart kittens, which I thought was pretty yeah. sweet. And then um, I like the way they kind of had this code language. It's like, oh, yeah, I need, you know, a book. What sort of book do you want? Oh, small ones. But I want some big ones, too. And obviously all the names of the titles as they go along, aren't they? Like, like Agatha Christie ones and stuff. But they're all references to each gun in each book inside has like a gun, doesn't it? And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I like that as well. Yeah, like you say, the double meanings and everything. They're, they're talking in code, but you know what they're talking about. Um, and they're, they're really not into her at all at first, are they? As the synopsis said, um, they, they pretty much, I don't know if they're going to kill her. They certainly weren't happy about her being there. But then when they find out, obviously, she's linked to Scarlet, they totally change. Yeah, i got to say, like, straight away, this film was becoming, and I know it is one of those ones, and the genre is pretty heavy, like we did Nobody um, last week. Very John Wickish, isn't it? Like, this whole library yes. section reminds me of The Continental, because they've got that hotel in John Wick, haven't they, where they kind of go to, and that's where all the stuff is and everything. It just, there's a lot of those tones here. It's just very much that type of movie. Absolutely. It's one of the reasons why we thought this was a good time to do it, sort of to link it to nobody, because it is definitely in that kind of vein of film. And John Wick's got a lot to answer for influencing these films, some better than others, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Sam infiltrates a hotel room to retrieve the stolen money and shoots the man responsible in the abdomen when he lunges for his ringing phone. Listening in on the call, she learns that he stole the money to save his kidnapped young daughter and must bring it to a nearby bowling alley to exchange for her. Sam takes him to the uh, takes him to a firm affiliated private doctor, I can't get my words out now, for treatment and agrees to handle the exchange herself. Nathan learns of her plan and sends three henchmen to stop her and retrieve the money. 
Sam incapacitates him before continuing her plan. Masked men give her the girl, Emily. Before retreating with the money, Sam pursues him, but the men turn on one another, resulting in the deaths and destruction of the stolen money. Um, yeah, so this kind of like means we brings it along quite nicely. That whole bit, I know it's obviously we'll get to it in a minute, but that whole bit of like the um the robbers, like they're all dressed up in like Halloween like horror masks, which I thought was really cool, but I just found them turn on each other and having that fight just felt really out of place and disjointed almost. It just it was so random the kind of happened with everything else that was going on. Well, the first time I watched this, I didn't really know what was going on. I was like, hold on, so they've just done all this and now they're all shooting each other because the guy just gets headshot, doesn't he? The driver, pretty much out of the blue. It's almost like the Pulp Fiction moment when our mate boy gets shot in the back of a car. It just, I was like, whoa, what's happening here? And then they just all take each other out. The end guy ends up trying to, well, he nearly gets blown up, doesn't he, I think? Or he does get blown up, if I remember rightly. <laughs> Yeah, because like I say, the driver gets an Uzi to the fucking head, which is one way to go. Um, and then they're all kind of like fighting among themselves. And one of them, he's got the money bag. He falls down, doesn't he? He's trying to pull out a fucking grenade to blow up the other guy who shoots him. And then the other guy just kind of limps towards him, like, no, 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 no. And then just walks straight into the grenade and they all get fucking blown up. But before that, we have a fight with um in the bowling alley, which I thought was pretty cool. It's um, Sam versus three guys. And the leader of them, he played King Ayla in Vikings. He's quite a big dude. He's a British actor again. Uh, but that fight scene was pretty good. And again, it was done kind of side on, which made me think of like a video game, some old Streets of Rage style thing. Yeah, yeah, it was quite stylish as well, isn't it? Because she ends up beating up most of them with just that panda suitcase she's got from the um, the guy who she's accidentally shot in the stomach earlier on. She's just completely twatting them with his suitcase. She ends up getting a bowling ball as well and just lobbing it at one of them, which I thought was quite funny. Yeah, that was good. She rolls it down and like clocks him in the head, but I thought she was going to get him in the balls of it for like, a bit of a classic sort of nut shot. But um, yeah, the fighting I thought was really good. And I assume she did most of the like choreography and the training herself because it looked pretty full on. Yeah, it's very well choreographed, isn't it? It's very, like I say, it's quite stylish this movie. And um, some of the some of the fight scenes are a bit over the top. They are completely like choreographed, almost dance moves. But some of it's pretty brutal, so it kind of mixes it up quite well. Um, and. I, it's really weird though when she's in the the hotel room or whatever at the start of this scene and uh, she shoots the guy the phone is ringing it's ringing for bloody ages that guy's patient isn't he because i'd have hung up by now waiting for him to answer it for that bloody long yeah definitely yeah it was just ringing and ringing but then i suppose that's uh well they're not even drug dealers are they they're kind of like kidnappers and whatever but yeah this is another part of the like thinking back of it now just discussing them I and i've watched a movie like finished watching it about 20 minutes before we started recording really but it was a bit of a really disjointed scene, this, like her going to the room, meeting the guy, shooting him, then deciding she's going to go and save his daughter, then the fight with the Three Stooges, and then the whole thing with the Halloween guys blowing each other up. I was kind of sat there thinking, I'm not really following this. I'm not quite sure what's going on right now. Uh, like I say, I was exactly saying the first time I watched this, I was like, this is jumping all over the shop. I mean, it does kind of level out a bit after this, but um, yeah, I got exactly the same sort of vibe there. I mean, the reason she completely changed his heart is obviously... The guy, she finds out that obviously he's taking the money because his daughter's been kidnapped. And then she has a flashback to her and Scarlett in the diner when she did a runner on, on her. So then she gets the kind of mother instinct almost, doesn't she, that she needs to go and help this girl. So she completely changes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So meanwhile, Nathan learns that one of the henchmen Sam killed in an earlier job was the son of Jim McAllister, the head of the powerful criminal empire. To avoid conflict, Nathan gives up Sam's information and location um, to be killed. Sam returns to the doctor to reunite Emily with her father, but they learn that he did not survive. Nathan's three henchmen are also in the doctor seeking treatment for their prior fight, and they receive orders to kill her. The doctor injects Sam with a serum that renders her arms useless. Sam asks Emily to tape a knife and a gun to her hands, and she uses them to fight and kill the three henchmen. 
More henchmen arrive, but Sam and Emily escape in Sam's car, with Emily steering and Sam working the pedals. I thought this bit with the numb arms was fucking brilliant. It was, <laughs> it was so stupid, but it was fucking funny the way they did it. I loved it. I thought it was great. I mean, it's so over the top, isn't it? I mean, you think, so they say she's got 60 seconds before her arm's going to go numb and everything. So these guys, obviously, they're all incapacitated anyway. They've all been fucked up by her earlier on, and they've all been taking a laughing gas, haven't they? So they're all high as kites anyway. So they're sort of taking forever to get to her, but old Emily manages to strap a knife, a gun, and then for the final bit, she's like, I just need you to do one more bit for me. And she tapes all these, like, you don't see it, but she tapes all these trays to the chair before she pushes her out. So she's almost bulletproof in this chair. And I'm thinking that would have taken a lot longer than a minute to do. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you consider like, how much tape's on there. Not being funny. It's like, she's like, oh yeah, put my finger on the trigger. And it's like, if you're completely numb, I don't even know how you're going to squeeze that trigger. I, mean, I don't know what like, the capacity for squeezing the real trigger on a gun is. It probably takes a few foot pounds or whatever it is, but I don't even know how she'd actually pull the trigger, but she seems to do all right, doesn't she? She kind of swings, her arm sort of goes flapping in the direction and she gets like these amazing shots in. Yeah, uh, it's a pretty good fight scene. I mean, I mean, it's so over the top, but she's like shooting them all. They're shooting each other because they're all still high and not really with it. So that their shots are going wayward and they're hitting each other. She's stabbing them as well, just flinging this knife around. It's taped to her other arm. And then when she kills the final guy, um, she just like, she bum shuffles across the counter. She jumps up on it. She can't use her arms. So like, my girlfriend's got a dog. He does the same thing. He's like, when he's got an itchy arsehole, he, like, he shuffles <laughs> along on his ass. She does that. And she kicks that bloody ceramic pot or whatever it is over onto his head. It's pretty brutal. It just smashes it on the floor, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The gore is, not, I wouldn't say over the top, but it's the kind of gore that you expect from these kind of stylish movies. But yeah, his whole fucking head comes away. And you saying there about them being on the old laughing gas and they're obviously high as kites because they're like in stitches, aren't they? They're doing this fight, but they're kind of laughing even though they're trying to be serious. That guy on the crutches looks like fucking stupid because both his legs are broken. He's like trying to stumble forward. He looks like Jeff Goldblum in The Fly, doesn't he, when he gets the fucking walking sticks out? That's a great comparison. Yeah, he does. I just, I just thought this bit was brilliant. It just, I mean, it's so stupid, but it is funny. And the fact that they're all laughing while they're shooting each other and dying just makes it even more stupid and over the top. But yeah, it's brilliant. I really enjoyed this whole scene. Yeah, and the um, the car scene wasn't too bad either. I mean, I assume that's her car because it had like bulletproof like fucking glass and everything, yeah. didn't it? But she sort of sits the girl on her lap because obviously her arms are still numb. And she's like, "Oh, work the pedals and you steer," and she's shouting out orders and stuff. And to be fair, again, it's fucking ridiculous. But the kid obviously pulls off some pretty cool driving doesn't she considering she's like the first time behind a wheel when they're like chasing all these guys in the cars yeah she does that's a porsche 944 to anyone's interest i'm a big porsche fan that's an old sort of 80s uh, porsche she's driving yeah it's ridiculous i mean she good job it's an automatic for a start so they didn't have to stick shift but yeah she um she learns pretty quick i mean obviously all she's doing is steering but um and putting it in driving in reverse but like old uh, karen gillen's like hard left hard right and she's probably like getting into it isn't she i mean it is so ridiculous but it is quite funny and again there's a couple of sort of brutal headshots in this whole scene and some bloke is crushed against the wall sort of the final guy to die yeah <laughs> so now sam receives a text from nathan giving her the address to a safe house where she can find supplies to help her escape she and emily travel there and, and run into scarlet who reveals she has been watching sam from afar for 15 years when henchmen arrive to kill sam scarlet guides them through a hidden escape route they manage to escape and return to the library, where the librarians angrily demand why Scarlet never tried to contact them when she disappeared. They're interrupted by arriving gunmen. Sam attempts to hold them off, but after she is overpowered, Scarlet intervenes to save her. 
The librarians consider fleeing with Emily, but they decide to join the fight. This bit um, was pretty good, I thought, when she meets out of her mum, because I was like, obviously, we saw old Lena Healy at the start, and I thought, man, she just did it for like that one scene. I'm glad she came back. She's in like the rest of the movie pretty much now. Yeah, she is. I mean, it's quite convenient that the safe house is close to the hospital. I mean, obviously, they found out that that's actually one of their own hospitals. Obviously, it's an inside job. But um, when she sees um, the text, Emily gives her the phone. She's like, oh, that's close by. I was like, well, that's convenient. But I guess there would have been a safe house probably close by to the hospital for these kind of eventualities. But she thought that was a little bit of a movie 101 that we see every week. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You're not wrong. I love the bit as well when they're kind of escaping and like going through like these these vents and they just end up in this random kitchen and fucking Scarlet yeah. just stands up and says to the chef, Oh, this kitchen's fucking atrocious, you need to tide it up and then just fucking walks off. Yeah, he's quite good in there. I mean the, the escape route's quite elaborate, isn't it? It goes through like this tunnel, like you're saying, and into this restaurant and everything. But I mean Scarlet hasn't changed in fifteen years, has she? She still looks exactly the same. They haven't tried to age her or anything. She still looks the same as she did in the opening scene. Yeah, I thought that, because when they did the flashback, obviously they had Freya Allen playing Sam, and I thought, oh, maybe that was someone else playing old, you know, um, Scarlet and stuff. But then you see her appear, and it's like, okay, just looks normal. Then like you say, when you see her 15 years later, she just looks exactly the same. I mean, Lena Headey's quite a pretty woman anyway, but um, like you say, they didn't de-age her or do anything with her or even give her some grey hair. She just looks normal. Yeah, and one thing as well, she's obviously said there in the synopsis, she's been watching Sam from afar for 15 years. I don't know how closely, because she asked if Emily's her granddaughter. So like, well, you can't be watching her that closely if you know, don't know who this kid is. Yeah, exactly. And if you've been watching her from afar, or well, not so afar, but, um, and you just saw like everything going down just now, surely you would have stepped in to sort of lend a hand considering they've got like half the fucking, like the firm after her at the moment. Yeah. And a bit before they go into the escape sort of route, um, they go down the lift, don't they? And um, the, the doors open at the bottom. There's literally about 15 million guys at the bottom of the lift all waiting for them. And she goes to pull her gun out and where her arms are still numb, she just lobs it at this bloke's head. I thought that was quite funny. <laughs> yeah, that was good. So fucking Scarlet starts taking the piss, doesn't she? She goes, don't yeah. worry, it could happen to anyone and all that sort of stuff. So like, no, my hands are numb. Yeah, yeah. I thought that bit was pretty good. It was pretty good chemistry between the two of them. Yeah, and then another thing I thought as well, just thinking about this thing. So... The library is obviously pretty much opposite where the escape route comes out. Fair enough. So they go there. But then the henchmen seem to know exactly where to go. And surely it wouldn't be that obvious. If this library is supposed to be a bit undercover and everything, they, they seem to find it pretty easily, don't they? Yeah. And I was thinking that because I was like, right, so all these places, like you say, they would be fairly close together. But you seem to have on the exact same block, the fucking hospital, the safe house and the bloody library. Like, like I say, you don't have to travel far, do you? And that, but um, yeah, they do seem to sort of find it pretty well. I did like the bit where um, they go back to the library and obviously everyone's pissed off at Scarlet. But then she's like, don't swear, there's a kid. So they start using words like fudge and that, don't you? It's like, you fudging, mother fudging, and all this sort of stuff. Well, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that is quite funny. And uh, Emily um, gets told now, uh, Sam tells her, doesn't she, that she's the one who killed her dad. Um, and you think that's pretty harsh for this poor kid, you know. She's already been sort of said that she's got no family when, when Sam asked her earlier, you know, who can I take you to? And she's like, I've got no mum, mum's gone, dad's now dead, I've got no brothers or sisters or anything. So you think the one person she thought oh, I can trust, this woman saved me, she just finds out she's killed her bloody dad. Yeah. Well, they did actually have a bit where um, Emily kind of knows um, that her dad is not a good man almost, or that he's like does illegal stuff and everything. But in one way, she's kind of like, She's really nonchalant about it. In other ways, like she's really kind of like heavily reacts to finding out. So it is a bit of an off balance the way they kind of portray that. 
Yeah, because she says in the hospital, doesn't she? Um, oh, he never used to turn up for me or something. And I'm like, there's always it's always the way in these films, isn't it? The kids always got a parent that's just never there for them. It always seems to be the the thing in these films. Yeah, just that kind of driving universal thing that they go for. Like you say, it's never kind of movie 101. I've got to say, this movie's probably not the most inventive for anyone who's listening right now. As I say, it's very John Wickish, and the plot is very, it's bare bones, basically. It's just her, her job goes wrong, finds a kid, and uh, tries to save it from all these henchmen. That's pretty much the movie in a nutshell, but there's nothing really of any kind of proper depth to the movie, is there? No, I don't think there was ever meant to be there, was there? It knows what it is. A bit like uh, Nobody last week. It's not pretended to be something different. Um, just before we move on, I'd say Scarlet's guns are pretty cool when the librarians give them to her. They get, they gave me a sort of Devil May Cry kind of vibe, those sort of guns, just the ornateness of the handles and everything. Yeah, yeah, I've got that here. I love her sort of like pistolas and stuff, and they've got like the knives on the end of them as well. And uh, mm. there's actually a pretty good fight scene here in um, between like the librarians and all the henchmen. Again, it's very video game. He just waves of enemies coming in and like three or four main characters kind of holding them off. Although one of them, uh, I can't remember her name, but she was like the sort of the desk librarian person at the start, mm. wasn't she? She ends up getting shot. She's got like this big fucking minigun at one point, and then she has like a fight with one of their evil henchmen. I think that guy was in the movie, uh, the show The Terror. But obviously, she's like the only one who dies at this stage. But I suppose someone had to die. Yeah, exactly. That's actually coming up in the next part of the synopsis, Brad Rolls. So I've just read ahead. <laughs> oh, fair. So all the gunmen are killed except Virgil, Jim McAllister's nephew, who kills Madeline and kidnaps Emily. Virgil calls Sam, who uh, offers to turn herself in at the diner in exchange for Emily's freedom. Sam arrives to meet Jim McAllister, who explains that his late son had four older sisters that Jim could not relate to as he does not understand women. Jim intends to torture Sam and make Emily watch, but Scarlett, Anna Mae and Florence arrive with guns to free them. Sam takes Emily and leaves the diner before the three women kill Jim and all his henchmen. I actually, um, like you say, he's not in it that much, old Ralph. But his kind of bit here where he sort of stops and sort of chats to her and that, and he's like saying like, oh, I have these daughters and, you know, I love them to bits, but I couldn't relate to them. I don't understand women and stuff. I thought, as far as henchmen, uh, villains go in these sort of movies, at least he had a bit of substance to, like, why he cares about his son, even though, again, he knows his son is a dickhead. And he even says to her, doesn't he, you know, I understand you were doing a job and it was the wrong place the wrong time. It's on principle that he's obviously going to have to kill her because his son died. But I thought they actually wrote the little bit he had on screen pretty well. Yeah, they did. Um, maybe that's a good thing that he wasn't on screen so much because you think they could have overused him because really there isn't much point for him to be in too many scenes because a lot of them are just his men going around trying to kill everyone. So, But yeah, that scene is really good and it sort of slows the pace down a bit before the sort of finale. Um, but before that, the fight scenes in the library, I thought they were pretty cool. Um, again, there's some pretty gnarly deaths in this whole scene, but there's one bit where Scarlett and Sam are hiding behind the library counter and they're getting absolutely peppered, like they're firing Uzis and all kinds of submachine guns and assault rifles into it. And I'm assuming this is a reinforced desk, it must be, but the bullets aren't even penetrating it, are they? They're just leaving holes one side, but they're not going through the other side. So I don't know what it's bloody made of. I was going to say, that's a good word, isn't it? Whoever sort of put yeah. that together did a bloody good job, like, putting it. But yeah, it is a bit ridiculous, because they literally, like say, these are hardcore um, sort of henchmen and that, and they're firing some pretty badass military-grade weapons at them, and it doesn't seem to be doing a whole lot, so fair play. I mean, imagine it probably would be reinforced because of the nature of what they do and the fact that it is the library, but even so. Yeah, I mean, we said there's, there is quite a lot of slow-mo in this film, but I think the bit where Madeline does get the minigun out and puts it on top of the van and she's firing away and all the bullets are raining down on Emily in slow-mo. I thought that was pretty cool. She's just taking these guys out. 
And I have to say, I didn't expect her to die. I didn't really think any of the main characters would die. So it's a bit of a shock. And in a way, about something harsh, it's, it's quite good to see one of them actually do die, I suppose. Yeah, because usually in these, like, all the like, main characters are kind of invincible somehow. But so it is good. Obviously, they did bother trying to kill one of them off the show. There's a bit of an impact of fighting, like, 500 henchmen. But that yeah. fight scene, like you say, it was quite stylish because I can't remember what the song was playing, but they had something playing in the background. And obviously, they're all fighting and sort of cuts between them, and there is a lot of slow mo. But yeah, it was um, it's quite it was done really well. And like you say, some pretty gnarly deaths. I swear, at one point, someone gets like a hammer through the mouth or yeah. somebody, like the whole like bottom jaw and their teeth crack, and that's pretty brutal. Yeah, they sort of all end up having one on one fights, don't they? You've got um, Madeline is with Virgil, which I only knew his name from the synopsis. She's fighting him one-on-one. Obviously, he kills her. Um, you get Sam and Scarlet actually sort of double up on that guy. He looks like Kratos from God of War. He's got a big beard. He's got a mallet swinging around. He ends up getting cracked in the head with that. You've got, um, I can't remember the, the other character's name, but one of them, she strangles someone with a chain. And then you get older Anna Mae. She cracks that guy in the face with a hammer. And yeah, like I say, she sort of puts it in his mouth and smashes all his teeth out. And she's dragging him along with it with his, in his mouth. It's pretty gnarly. Yeah, it's funny you should mention that guy, um, that Kratos-looking guy. You, you're bang on. But he, like, fucking, like, lumps a, like, Karen Gillan in the stomach with a sledgehammer. I know, yeah. obviously, like, fucking, like, these action movies, like, the hero always just gets up from whatever. But I'm thinking, that would put anyone on the ground. This guy's a fucking tank, like you said. And he just fucking wallops her right in the guts with a fucking sledgehammer. She wouldn't be getting up from that. No, she definitely wouldn't. And then, obviously, Emily does get kidnapped now. We just said that. I mean, it's taken her a while. These, the kids always get kidnapped in these films at one point. I'm surprised it took her like an hour and 20 minutes for her to actually get kidnapped. But she does. And then when he calls her, it's like the panda phone that her dad had at the start. It's obviously her phone. I mean, I'm thinking that battery life on that phone is bloody impressive. I know it's like an old school phone, so maybe like battery life was a little bit better on those phones. But it seems to have gone on forever. Yeah, yeah, she's done a right out of it, hasn't she? And when they turn up again at, at the diner from the start, she sat there just all the like about fucking 20 henchmen sat around and then obviously Ralph himself. But um, she sat there and she got the old milkshake once again. And these milkshakes look amazing. I was like, oh, I could do drinking one of them myself right now when I was watching it. Yeah, they do look really good. Oh, Karen Gillan, poor girl. She doesn't even have a chance to have a wash or anything. She just turns up at the diner wearing the same clothes she's been wearing all day, blood all still down her face, which obviously adds to the stylisticness of the film. Um, it's quite funny, isn't it? Because she gets changed into that bowling gear because the guys give her something else to change into They're when they phone her and they've seen a few bits ago. And she's like, oh, really? When she looks at the clothes they've given her and she eyes up the sort of bowling outfit on the wall and ends up wearing that, which she then wears for the rest of the film. Yeah. Yeah, it's really kind of like, it's like a golden kind of, like say, jacket, isn't it? It's quite a sort of like shabby kind of like shell suit almost and with like these really kind of ill-fitting trousers. But it kind of works really as a kind of costume for her character. Yeah, it does. It looks really good. Um, but it's quite stupid, though, the end. It, you know, I like the way it's shot, though, the bit where they all get killed. But those guys are useless, aren't they? It sort of pans, again, right, left to right across the diner with all the women taking them out one by one in slow-mo. But none of those guys really put up a fight at all, do they? No, they're worse than fucking James Bond villains, aren't they? There's like, like you said, <laughs> a numbers game. Like, yeah, the women have to drop on them with, like, the shotgun because all... Um, Scarlet shoots Ralph, doesn't he? And he fucking blows yeah. him away from us. And then they're all like pulling out pistols and Uzis and fucking as elsewhere. There is one bit I thought that looked pretty cool. Um, one of the women she like smashes a guy's head into like a milkshake glass. Again, oh, yeah, just to that. And because it's slow motion, again, it's like Snyder style, but the way it kind of like cracks and as his head comes up, you see all the glass in his face and blood pissing out everywhere. I thought that looked really good. Yeah, same. Uh, when she smashes his face into it, 
I started thinking, so I couldn't remember really how this, I knew how it ended, but I couldn't remember the ins and outs of it. As he was sort of moving back up in slow-mo, I thought, please, like, make this look realistic. Because if it looks shit in slow motion, it's going to be really bad. But yeah, his face is pretty caved in from that class. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's a little bit left to the movie after this, but I was watching this bit thinking, are they, like, these women supposed to just, are they going to go down swinging type thing? I thought, like, everyone in that diner was going to die, including the librarians. Mm. Like, they're all going to die to save, um, like, Sam and stuff. Obviously, we find out that's not the case. But I kind of, like, when it was doing that, I was like, hmm, this could be kind of like a sacrifice moment. And I didn't know which way it was going to go at the time. Yeah, that's a good shout. It's, I mean, we say every week with some of these films, but it is kind of a, almost a Tarantino-esque ending again, isn't it? It's just a big shootout in a in the diner, but the girls or the women, so spoiler alert, do all survive it. So sometime later, Sam apologises to Emily for killing her father and Emily forgives her. Emily goes to Nathan's home disguised as a Girl Scout. Sam threatens his life unless he returns to the firm and calls off their hit on her. Sam, Emily, Scarlett, Anna Mae and Florence then drive down the coast together. And that pretty much wraps it up. Like the end of the scene is then just driving down one of those old VW camper wagons. But I thought this bit was pretty good where um she goes to Nathan's house. But one thing is he's wearing like this fucking like bright orange pajamas and he's got like a blue dressing gown over the top. It looks like something fucking Del Boy would wear. But I think I've got that very same dressing gown. I was like, shit, that's his Robbie Wardrobe. <laughs> so yeah the second line I've got for this whole suit uh, this whole scene is Nathan is wearing dope, uh, bright orange pyjamas with a blue dressing gown <laughs> absolutely I knew you'd nail that straight away I knew you'd get on the Del Boy vibe there I mean I would say that Emily forgives Sam pretty easily um, yeah you killed my daddy I fuck it you're alright but I suppose she has pretty much saved her from getting her ass kicked a few times now including the end scene so she probably does deserve to be forgiven but it doesn't take much does it no it doesn't it says it's quite casual. It's like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Well, but then again, I suppose it's like, well, my dad was a criminal because that's a bit earlier in the movie. Actually, I forgot to mention it where she's like, uh, Emily asks Sam, like, are you a serial killer? She goes, no, of course I'm not. It's like, well, you've killed people, quite a few people. So that's what serial killers do. She goes, well, yeah, but it's a bit complicated. It's a bit different than that. And I did like that little dynamic that they've got going on. Yeah, and also when Emily says about, uh, sorry, Sam says to Emily about an eight-year-old, and she's like, I'm eight and three quarters. Then she manages to get that line in again in the last sort of scene when she's talking to Nathan, doesn't she, about being eight and three quarters. That's sort of running around through the film as well. And having a daughter around that age, or not what they're like, they're very proud. It's like, I'm not nine, I'm nine and a half. It's like, they've got to get that in there. <laughs> yeah, they're in a rush to grow up. I love to anyone, if anyone's like under 18 listening to this show, one, you shouldn't because it's got swearing in it. <laughs> and two, don't be in a rush to grow up because it fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, stay eight and three quarters for as long as you can. And the ending is a bit cheesy there, where they're all in the VW. One thing that I notice in these films, it always seems to be, um, Emily goes, can we turn on the radio? And they're like, yeah, go for it. She turns on, right at the start of the DJ announcing something. They never seem to turn on in the middle of anything, do they? It's right at the start of an announcement. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember the last time I turned the radio on, if I'm honest, but back in the day, you used to always turn one on, it'd be like halfway through a song or like in the middle yeah. of a conversation. But like I said, it always managed to turn it on right at like the, the optimal moment, really. Exactly. And that obviously leaves it open for the sequel, which apparently has been confirmed. Whether they're shooting it at the moment or not, I don't know. I don't know what Karen Gillan's uh, itinerary is like these days. Like you say, she's a busy woman. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's left pretty open-ended. Nathan's still about. The girls are all still about. Emily could well be older in the next one. Who knows? So we'll have to wait and see, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't, I mean, like we said, like the, the box office was like, 
pitiful to say the least but then when it was mainly a streaming um movie i don't know what the numbers were like you know did it pull in a lot of streamers in because it hasn't come out over here and on netflix as i said earlier um so i don't know what the numbers are like to warrant having a sequel but i guess we'll just have to wait and see on that one yeah it's strange isn't it not being on uk netflix i've had to um, watch it on a vpn to to watch it again today on my ipad because it's just not available over here there must be some kind of deal that Sky have got obviously to have exclusive rights to it at the moment which seems a bit strange it's not exactly the biggest film ever made but maybe it'll come to UK Netflix at some point if someone does want to check it out on there because it's, it's worth a watch. Absolutely and speaking of which that gives us uh leads us nicely on to giving this one some scores and is it my turn to go first this week? It is Fred Ryan I'm kind of intrigued as what you're going to say about this one. Okay right well, I didn't actually know that much about it. I knew it existed. And I remember you saying like you'd watched it and it might be worth a review a while ago. So we stuck it on the old list. And uh, here we are. I've got to say, um, the movie's very stylish. I quite like the kind of presentation of it. I like all the kind of neon vibes and stuff it was doing. But most of this movie, I don't know if it's just because this genre is just a bit too oversaturated or because maybe we did Nobody last week and it just it has those familiar tones. But it felt to me a bit more like style over substance. To say the plot was weak and didn't really have much going for it and you don't expect a mega plot obviously you're not expecting something like oscar nominee performance from a film like this that's not what you want but it just felt a little bit disjointed and there wasn't really much kind of i wasn't gripped by it at all i wasn't really hooked or buying into the characters or the storyline very much although the action was very stylishly done and it was enjoyable for what it was that's all it really was so it wasn't really that well paced um it felt flat against its um presentation actually because uh, it's all neon based and outside of the fight scenes, it just, there was nothing there to really keep me interested. Um, the fights are really well done. I thought the choreography was good, although JT said earlier, and quite rightfully so, they were a little bit over choreographed at some point. So they looked a little bit like dance scenes, but overall I thought they were good and they were nice and violent and the blood was ridiculous. So fair play. Um, it had some humorous dialogue in it. Um, some of the characters are okay, but I don't think any of them really kind of amounted to, the sum of the actors playing them, really. They felt like they could have probably done a bit more of it. Um, I don't know if I'd even watch this one again. It's one of those kind of, again, it's one of those sort of movies that you can watch. It's a popcorn movie. You can stick it on and probably have an okay time with it. But for me, I found myself getting a little bit bored and kind of like zoning off a little bit in between some of the, like, the fight scenes. So for me, I think I'm going to have to give this one just two stars. It might be worth three, perhaps, somewhere down the middle. But, yeah, it didn't really leave a lasting impression on me. And I don't think I'd be in much of a rush to watch it again, although there is some good stuff in there. So, yeah, two stars from me. Uh, JT, what about yourself? Oh, good stuff, Redwell. Stars now, not others, are they? The others, aren't they? How dare I? Dare I? You know what? It's going to get three others now, just because I need to make up for up to the stars. No, two, two others, two Milky dribbly udders for <laughs> excellent, yeah. Let's emphasize on those, uh, yeah. Good stuff, bread roll. Yeah, I, I kind of thought that's probably where you'd be on this one. Um, so it's the second time I've seen it. Um, the first was when it first hit UK, uh, US, sorry, Netflix last year or so because I wanted to see it. Like, I say, Karen Gillan had been harping on about this on um, her Instagram for a fair old while, so I thought it looked quite stylish. I'm into that sort of film. Um, and it is very John Wick, isn't it? Like I said earlier, John Wick has got a few things to answer for with these films that spin off. Although this one is more of a supporting cast with her rather than just a lone protagonist. There are some people helping her out. So it's definitely not the most original plot, but I don't think that's what it was aiming for. I thought Karen Gillan was good, to be fair. She plays the American accent really well. I mean, she's in Jumanji and lots of other things playing an American, so it's not new to her. 
and supporting cast were good enough. But like you say, they're not really, they don't really expand on the supporting cast a lot. So it is mainly all about her. Um, yeah, stylish, definitely. It's all about style, this film. It doesn't really have much in the way of substance. Soundtrack was good, although that main bloody theme does just get on your tits after a while. It really started to wind me up. And one thing I will say, we didn't touch on it throughout the synopsis, and I might ruffle a few feathers here. It has got a very strong feminist edge, and I'm not against that, don't get me wrong, per se, but none of the men in this film are good. There's not one good man in this film. They're all arseholes. You know, Nathan, obviously Ralph's character, they're all just there to be shot down, aren't they? Um, so there is that to it. Um, so all in all... I'm going to give it three others, and I think that's a bit generous, really. I think two is probably better. I did enjoy it again watching it earlier, but definitely not as much as the first time. Um, it's definitely got some flaws. Um, Nobody, which we watched last week, shameless plug if you haven't already heard that, does this a lot better than this. Um, yeah, three others for me, that's probably generous. Maybe Karen Gillan gives it an extra udder. Well, I've got my girlfriend sat next to me, so I better be careful what I say. Yeah, three <laughs> others, bread roll. Oh, lovely stuff, yeah. Um, yeah, I think what you said there is pretty accurate. Again, like the, the feminist thing, yeah, there were a lot of vibes of that going through it. And um, I didn't put any of it in my notes, but I was thinking that is just one of those kind of like, almost going for a bit of that kind of like, almost cringeworthy, in-your-face girl power thing, instead of balancing it out and giving it a bit more context. Um, so maybe they'll like correct a few things with a sequel, we don't know. We'll just have to wait and see if that movie comes to fruition and if it actually comes out in these territories so we can look at it. But uh, yeah, three, good stuff. Yeah, indeed. And we don't even know what we're doing next week, do we? I don't think. No, we've got a few things on the list. Um, so we will announce it on Twitter. Actually, we probably won't. We'll probably just end up releasing the episode. But if you, <laughs> <laughs> but if you do have anything um, that you want to say about our show, or if you just have any thoughts on this particular movie, if you have seen it, as I say, it's a bit tricky to watch over here in the UK, but it is on Sky Movie slash Now TV at the moment, if you have either of those things, or you could always do what G, uh, JT did and do the old VPN jobby. Um, let us know what you think about the movie and what you think about the show by getting in touch at Hyperbaric Goats on Twitter. And thank you very much for joining us. And this is Bread Roll signing off. And from EJT, I've just got one last thing to say. There's a group of men called The Firm. They've been running things for a long, long time. And when they need someone to clean up their mess, they send me. Oh, yeah, I'm the-